You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Number two is upon us. Frank Stample, Greg Sussman. We're here to talk some, some action this hour. Virginia Zakas joins us at 320. Excited about that. Always excited to have Virginia Zakas on, Greg. We got to get some updates on some of these uh, some of these NFL injuries. Players that are coming back. Carson Wentz. I love Carson Wentz, so I want to hear the latest. I have a feeling it's probably not going to be the most positive outlook for Carson Wentz. And, of course, Todd Gurley. I mean, you have to invest a late first, early second round pick on a, what is he, 26-year-old running back who has arthritis in his knee. There's lots to worry about there. So we'll find out a bunch from Virginia Zakis of Inside Injuries coming up at about 20 minutes from now. Very excited about some of the players that we were just talking about in hour one in our fantasy hour. Uh, Before we get to some of this baseball stuff I really wanted to get into, um, I want to get into the the NBA because... You heard it in the updates a few moments ago. Uh, the contract Kawhi Leonard signed really was just like taking Steve Ballmer and the Clippers and just putting him over his leg and, like, and saying, you're do whatever I want. <laughs> I want Paul George, give me Paul George. I want this, you're giving me this. And that includes a contract, which is literally just two years and an opt-out. It's crazy. But how do you argue it, though? It's How can you argue with it? If, the, if Kawhi Leonard came to the Knicks and said that, what would you say, Greg? Sure, of course, whatever you want. Exactly. That's going to be awesome when the summer of 2021, when everybody's coming to the Knicks, baby! Yeah, let's let's start the campaign now. Giannis and Kawhi to the Knicks in 2021. That's the latest, huh, Greg? Do, the, do NBA players have too much power? It's a constant... No, I love it. ...back and forth. I love it. People talk about it a lot. You heard about it with Kevin Durant. The Brooklyn Nets found out that he was signing with them via Instagram. They didn't even know. Is it crazy? No, I love it. I love it. The players have power because who's performing? Players. The play, and I, I've said this a lot with the NFL and the NFL owners and all this fight. Like the players have no leverage in the NFL with a franchise tag and the owners cutting them and no guaranteed money, and it's frustrating. And when they have these holdouts, like the Melvin Gordon thing we talked about before, like oh, Melvin Gordon's holding out. This sucks. Well, I get why Melvin Gordon's holding out. Because someone that plays his position that has a lot of carries on him from college, that if it doesn't work out, he'll never make the big contract. I get it. So the NBA, they have leverage and they use it. Kawhi was very honest. He wants to go to LA the whole time. And he's like, you know what? I want my friends to play with me. You want me, you get him. And Steve Ballmer said, okay, sure. You want me, you give me two years and an option. Okay. Yeah, look, ultimately, the contract doesn't matter, Greg. Flags fly forever. We just saw Absolutely, it. one year with Toronto. Absolutely. They take a risk. They trade for Kawhi Leonard. Everyone knew that he was going to enter free agency. 
after this past season, they won a championship. If the Clippers win a championship in the next two years and he opts out, nobody's going to care. He so, won them a championship. Absolutely. And here's the other thing. Leverage. The Kevin Durant story is crazy from Brian Windhorst. It's wild that Kevin Durant <laughs> oh God. said yes. This really is something. I will do a signing trade so you get D'Angelo Russell back and I go, and like, all right, Kevin Durant for D'Angelo Russell. No, no, no. I'm worth more than D'Angelo Russell. Are you kidding me? So he forced Golden State to get something for his services, forced them to give up a first-round pick. Greg, you can't make this stuff up. We went right from the hero, Kevin Durant, who sacrificed his body for the Warriors. He was a martyr. He went down with the ship, Greg. He knew that there was a chance he could tear his Achilles, a very good chance at that. And he took that chance, and he put it all on the line for the chance for the Warriors to come back in that series. And who knows, maybe if he was healthy, they would have won that series. They probably would have. But he went from that hero, he changed his image for a whole two weeks, Greg, because now we get this report from Brian Windhorst, and Kevin Durant says, I will not be traded for just D'Angelo Russell because I am better than him. This is more of the same stuff that we've gone through with Kevin Durant. In years past, Greg, the burner accounts... The, the sensitivity. He can't handle criticism. He's got to make these Twitter burner accounts to respond to people as if he's like Durant's biggest fan. Why is everyone so sensitive nowadays, Greg? Really? Does he, does he have that big of an ego? That, like, that's his legacy? I can't be traded for D'Angelo Russell? What are we doing here, it's Greg? It's so stupid. What are we doing It's so here? ridiculous. It's all ego. I mean, and it's hilarious that, like, he had to get that out of the Warriors because, I mean... If the reports are true that he was angry with them, I mean, it's pretty, you know, that's a nice valid. little uh, middle yeah. finger on the way out, huh? But you cost me a year of my career. I might not be the be- I might not be the player I was before. Hey, how about you give up a first-round pick if you're going to sign, sign and trade me away for uh, D'Angelo Russell? By the way, I believe that if the pick is, I, really, I read this, if the pick is in the top 20, it converts to like a second-round pick in 2026. Like, there's major protections on this pick. But they did have to give it up. That's hilarious. It's, it's wild. But to answer your initial question, it does not bother me in the least that the players have this power. Like, they are the performer. They are what people go to pay, not the owners. Like, James Dolan has enough power. It's true. Can't really argue it. And basketball, other than any other sport, the players have the most power. Which is great. Yeah. Which is awesome. I, I, I got to tell you, Greg, I really love that the way the NBA is shaping up right now. Because it seems like for the first time in a long time, while we just spoke about the Clippers being the favorites for the championship, it seems like for the first time in a long time that the NBA is wide open right now. We don't have super teams. We have a lot of duos. And, you know, once Clay Thompson's healthy, then I guess you can consider the Warriors a super team again. But at least for this upcoming season, we have a lot of duos. It's, it's Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. It's LeBron James and it's Anthony Davis. It's... Steph Curry and Draymond Green. And yeah, they have D'Angelo Russell, but we'll, we'll see how that works out. It's James Harden and it's Chris Paul. There's not really any super teams. It seems like the NBA is wide open for the first time in a long time. I'm excited about it. I like it. We're going to take a break here. When we come back on the BFFs, you want to talk baseball? You want to talk basketball? What do you want to do? Let, let's go to baseball. Go to baseball. All right. Yeah. Let's talk about the All-Star Game, the Home Run Derby, how our bets did for that. Lost. You owe me a lunch? I do. Can I cash in on that tomorrow, actually? Uh, n- well, that's actually even, because I had thought Peter, Peter Alonzo would come up to start the year. Oh, right. Yeah. Peter Alonzo takes and giveth. More baseball coming up next. 
Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Here on the BFFs, Fantasy Best Friends Forever. Well, this is the action hour of the Best Friends Forever. So he's Frank. I'm Greg. Virginia Zakis coming up uh, next. And we were taking a look at the Home Run Derby last time we did our action hour on Monday. And we drafted. And things are going really well for me until the finals. Yeah, you had three guys in the final, the final four. four. And I was just left with little old Pete Alonzo, who came through in the clutch. The polar bear. Let's go, Greggy. I'm sorry, man. You had Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and, I mean, he hit 91 home runs on the night, and he ended up not winning the home run derby. It's basically Josh Hamilton all over again. I'm, so, so, I'm sorry, bud. At all, least he put on a show. In all honesty, in all honesty, I don't think Vladimir, Vladimir Guerrero should have been in the finals. I stand by this. I know Alex Fasano agrees with me. Why is that? Because Jock Peterson beat him. On, admittedly, I had a basketball game. I didn't get to watch it live. So, Alex, we talked about this on Tuesday morning. I walked in there, and they were counting all of Jock's home runs, right? They go 28, 29, 30. He got 30. He got just enough to beat Vlad. And they go, oh, wait, no, he had... Never mind, it's 29. No, it's not. And our best he hit bet... 30! And our best bet on that show would have been correct, which we said our favorite for the finals was to be Pete Alonso versus Jock Peterson. The irony in all that, though, is if Jock went to the finals, he probably would have beat Pete. Couldn't agree more. That was what I was getting to next. Hey, I think Pete. I think if Jock Peterson gets there, he beats Alonzo. You're probably right. You got the lefty, and he's not—he's honestly not swinging nearly as hard as Vlad. Yeah, and what we said the other day while previewing that is that Cleveland—the way that Cleveland's ballpark is set up—is that it favored a left-handed bat, and we, we thought that it would favor Jock Peterson, and it, and it clearly did. So. Uh, yeah, and and Vlad was putting on a show and hitting so many home runs. Honestly, probably cost it. I cost him winning. I know that he had to go into like whatever the the overtime with Jock Peterson, so he needed the home runs then. But he didn't need twenty seven in the first round, so he expended so much energy. And by the time he got to the finals, he just didn't have as much left. And if you look at Vlad, I mean, he's a uh, the word I'll use is husky. He's a huskier boy, so. Yeah, he kind of he kind of wore down there, and Pete Alonso was good to go. I, I will say it was pretty cool that it came down to like one awesome rookie against another awesome rookie, and they get a million dollar whatever prize for winning. Even though I think that they're both making like the minimum amount that you can in baseball because they're rookies, so that was pretty cool. But yeah, shout out to Pete Alonso. Thanks, bud. Guys, let me ask you a quick question. Yeah, about of course. This. Um, so a lot of people were upset with Pete beating Vlad because Vlad hit ninety one and Pete yeah. only hit fifty seven. Do you think? Do you like the new time rule for minutes as opposed to the out rule? Because I feel like the out rule would have prevented Vlad from ripping his arm out of his socket. Well, the same thing happened with the out rule, though. Josh Hamilton hit 27 home runs when it was the out rule in Yankee Stadium. It's nuts. Or whatever, however many it was. I don't know if it was 27. Yeah, but that was like the first time ever doing something like that. And now it's like every year we're going to expect him to hit 27. But he lost. Josh Hamilton lost with, with the 10 out rule. He hit 
you know, he broke the record. He was just mashing home runs in Yankee Stadium. And then I believe he went up against Justin Morneau in the finals, Greg. And he lost. So I, I think if you're nitpicking here, I mean, you could find flaws in, in both setups. Which one do you like better? For me, I kind of like the four minutes because people are there. Yeah, there's more angst. Like, there's more buildup for it, too. Like, if it's coming down to the yes. end. Oh, my God. He, he has to hit three more home runs in the next 15 seconds in order to tie Vladimir Guerrero. That aspect of it is pretty cool. So I agree with you. I, I think I like the time limit a little bit more. So I like, well, my point with the time limit was people are there for the show, right? Like, people want to see as many home runs hit as possible. And there's a lot hit. This gives the fans what they want. And I think that's what the whole celebration should be about, giving the fans what they want, ultimately. But then you can't have people being upset that Pete won the home run derby because he beat him fair and square in he the last de- round. He definitely beat him. Yeah. No question about it. I'm upset because it shouldn't have been him versus Vlad. <laughs> yeah, but, I agree. But I am not upset that Pete won. He won fair and square. Yeah, and I think a lot of people who are upset that Vlad lost are probably just Vladimir Guerrero Jr. fanboys. There's a lot of them out there. I mean, I... I'm probably not on that level. I'm not a fanboy. I like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I want him to succeed. Vladimir Guerrero Sr. was probably my favorite baseball player growing up. So I'm rooting for Vlad Jr., but I think a lot of people who were sad that he lost are probably just his biggest fans, Greg. And the stadium was booing big time, too. Plus, come on. The Mets need something. They need something, Greg. And they got Pete Alonso, and I'm sure they're going to so try and spin that. They're going to be like, but we, but we have the home run derby champ. So what? Who cares? We didn't make the playoffs. I am we so have the home run derby champ. happy that you bring this up. Because <laughs> I've never, not never, Mets fan Twitter. It's the most Mets thing ever. Was freaking out about this. Let's not forget that we were, you know, we had an 85 and a half over under for wins this year. We were expected to compete in the National League East. Something we are not doing right now. Oh, we won the home run derby, Greg. Dude, oh, Pete, oh, Pete, we got it. We did it. Pete did it. Oh, my God, he did it. But, but there has to be a fine line, too, right? Because they have to be allowed to celebrate. It's not that we're saying Mets fans can't be excited that Pete Alonso won the home run derby. I think at the time, Greg, it's all right to be excited about it. But, all right, you know, after the night of the home run derby... I think it's probably like the next we're morning. They were so hot pumped. Yeah. Like two years ago, when Aaron Judge won the home run derby, his rookie year. Were you like that? I don't think I was. I I was pretty excited about it, but at that time, the Yankees were also competing for a wild card spot. Agreed, but like, and they went farther than was ever expected. I'm not. Of them kill, to do. I'm not. Listen, I'm not killing the Mets fans for being happy. Like. You can be happy at the time of it, yeah, but I don't think I was like that. Once like, reality sets to- back in, you got to remember the home run derby champ does not change. All the failures that come along with the New York Mets this season. Yeah. To me, <laughs> it's ridiculous. I'm sorry. I agree with you. What are we gonna, <laughs> excited for Pete Alonso. Go Pete Alonso. What did you think of the All Star game itself last night? Did you watch the All Star game two nights ago, rather? Uh, I didn't watch a lot of it. I think I watched. I watched. F- I, I checked in here and there. I watched the first inning with like Freddie Freeman mic'd up. I thought miking up hitters was very stupid. I didn't like that aspect. I like when they mic up fielders. Like, that's pretty cool. You hear guys calling people off and you're having conversations with them. That's fine. I mean, when you're in the outfield, you're bored. Okay, but when you're talking to Freddie Freeman and he's trying to yep. swing a bat against Justin Verlander, come on now. What are we doing? I understand it's an exhibition game, but it's hard enough to try and square one up against Justin Verlander. It's probably even harder when Joe Buck is in your ear talking like this. Freddie Freeman, what can you tell us about that nasty 12-6 curveball that Justin Verlander just gave you? Oh, snap. You just swung and missed at the next one because you weren't ready. I could do without that. I loved it. 
I mean, you love anything that Joe Buck does, so let's get that First out of First of all... Let's, let's clear the air here. Joe Buck... You're probably Joe Buck's biggest fan. Joe Buck is an underrated announcer, still, despite being the lead announcer on Fox for my entire life. He's underrated, number one. You can also agree that you like him more because of Brockmeyer. I do like That's him. That's 100% yeah, true. Yeah, he's awesome on Brockmeyer. Like, you probably like him more as a broadcaster now because of what he's done on Brockmeyer. Admit it. Correct. So you're biased. No. Yes, you are. I'm not, I wasn't even talking about Joe Buck, dude. I'm just talking about like the mics, like being able to like talk to these guys while they're playing was awesome. Hearing them talk to each other was awesome. Yeah, I like doing it with feelers. I just don't like bothering Freddie Freeman I while he's it. trying to swing a bat against Justin Berlin. That Berlin's. was awesome, talking I, to a hitter. I could be wrong. Did they mic up any of the pitchers? I didn't see it. So then you, you got to do it both ways. I agree. You can't only mic up hitters not agree more. And, and throw them off while they're trying to hit against some of the best pitchers in the world and not mic up the pitchers. When they're trying to face some of the best hitters, could not agree more. It's got to go both ways. Absolutely. Although I wouldn't want it. I don't. You don't have to mic up hitters and pitchers. Yes, you do. Let's just mic up the fielders. It That's makes it fine. so much fun when the guys are like, "All right, I'm going to try to hit this fastball." Like, oh god. Well, it makes it that even was awesome. It makes it even more of an exhibition game, Greg. It and is, I guess that's what I don't. That's exactly like. what it is. It's an exhibition game. This is a hot take. Nobody agrees with me. I like when the All-Star Game determined who had home field advantage in the world. I agree, awesome. Frank. That is a big stipulation that needs to be set. That's horrible. I understand that was most, the worst thing most ever. people disagree with me vehemently. Here's my point. Vehemently. I like when it matters for single, something, though, Single, se- single sentence point. Can we make it matter for something else? Can we, no. give, can we give the winners like a bonus or something? Money? They get money. I, uh, there needs to be more incentive no. to it. I, I don't know. It is an exhibition, number one. Number two. I like when it matters. Number two. When you have a rule. They that, try harder. When you have a rule that every player, that a player from every team has to go to the All-Star game, you cannot have it represent home field advantage. Because everyone's got to get in there, right, for the most part? Yeah. When you have John Buck catching instead of whoever the top catcher was, was Joe Maurer at the time, yeah. deciding home field advantage that John Buck is at the plate, that can't happen. I mean, come on, Greg. You're nitpicking one player out of how many. That's just an example, I understand example, that they dude. have to have That's players just on teams and stuff. But the best players are still starting, for the most part. And they come and out are playing the most. Yeah, but they're, I mean, like... If it's for home field advantage, Justin Verlander should go seven innings. getting removed for Glaber Torres? Justin Verlander should go seven innings. Glaber Will Torres. Smith should never pitch. But everyone else who's coming in is really damn good, too, Greg. Virginia Zakis is up next. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Do you want two risk-free wagers up to a grand? Go to pointsbet.com slash grid and open up a PointsBet sports wagering account. Enter the promo code GRID and you'll get two risk-free bets up to $1,000. In addition to traditional betting, PointsBet also offers its own betting concept where customers are rewarded by how much they win their bet. For example, if you bet Michigan minus three and they cover the spread by 11, you'll receive 11 times your stake. Pointsbet.com slash grid. Enter the promo code GRID and you'll get two risk-free bets up to $1,000 today. That's pointsbet.com slash grid. The promo code is, well, GRID. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 21 and over. NJ only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See websites for details. All right, Virginia Zakis is on the way for an inside injuries report. Uh, Frank knew how to get me riled up and was successful at it. So, Greg, what should be the new incentive for the All-Star game? There is no incentive. We, don't, we do not need Why incentive. not? Why so what not? do you play for? Why do you even have it? Cancel it. Cancel it. It's give, him a, give him a week off. Why do we have an NBA All-Star game? What do you have, wh- why? Well, I mean, basketball is more entertaining than baseball. Just overall in a vacuum. I was very There's more entertainment value, to me, at least, in uh, basketball. In a basketball... Generally... Ca- I'm fine. Cancel all of them. If there's no incentive, cancel all of them. Why are we playing them, then? What are we doing? Sure. You want to cancel all of You're them. right that having it decide the home field advantage of the World Series probably is too much incentive. But I, I feel like there should be something involved. There is money! Is there, though? Yes! How much? I, uh, you know I don't have Do that. you play in the uh, kickball all-star game? We don't have one. Do you have kickball tonight? No. We're, I have, oh, I have I, dodgeball I, tonight. I'm actually off next week from kickball. I don't know the game for like two weeks. I'm sorry, bud. That's all right. 4-0, though. 4-0! See what happens in dodgeball tonight. Also undefeated on the year. It's our friend Virginia Zakis from Inside Injuries. What's up, Virginia? Hey, guys. How's it going? It's going really, really well. We're happy to be talking some football here. And I wanted to get into what we were talking about earlier. The biggest story when it comes to fantasy football is the status of Todd Gurley, who everything said he was fine, except his play, where he didn't seem fine. And now every question we get has to do with Todd Gurley. Every question we have is for Todd Gurley. And yesterday, the latest news was, well, we'll see how it goes when I get out there. I'm like, what? What do you mean we'll see how it goes when we get out there? Like, what? We heard rumors that his knees arthroscopic is arthritic rather. This is our first or second round pick, Greg. We can't just base we'll see what happens when we get out there no! on our first or second round pick. No. We cannot. Virginia, can you give us some insight on Todd Gurley, please? Absolutely. So everything we're hearing is in line with what we said late last season, that there's likely some cartilage damage in his knee. Um, this is pretty common when a guy tears their ACL. Um, like Gurley did back in 2014. Um, He hasn't really had any major knee issues since then, but of course he aggravated it last year. Um, You know, if he's dealing with arthritis or other, you know, cartilage issues, um, this is something that's going to bother him this season and throughout his career. Um, He he can have some very good weeks. He might have a stretch of a month where he does really well, but it's very easy to aggravate. Um, It takes a lot of pain management throughout the way. And, um, He's, he's likely to miss some time here and there, and this is something that could shorten his career, um, could knock him out of a game early. It's just there's really no way to predict how his knee is going to respond other than the fact that we know that it's going to be aggravated at some point. I know our long-term BFF, Michael Florio, Greg, is advocating for people to take Todd Gurley at his current price, which is you know at the end of the first round, early second round. I mean, we're going to have to talk to Mike about it because – I mean, even if you get 75 to 80% of what Todd Gurley has been the past couple of years from a fantasy perspective, that'll be awesome. But he's still at such a high risk of re-injury, you know, getting shut down because of this knee. I mean, there's just a lot of moving parts. Greg, you can't win your fantasy drafts in the first round or two. Well, you but can lose them. You can certainly lose it. It's true, man. If this guy gets ends up getting shut down at some point or he he's not nearly the Todd Gurley he was of years past... I mean, it's just a lot to invest your late first, early second round pick in right now. So I'm a little bit more worried about Todd Gurley. I don't know if I can draft him where he's currently going in drafts. Virginia, I want to ask you about another player who impacts a lot of 
pretty much the entire Carolina Panthers offense, and that's Cam Newton because you know I'm a little bit more worried about Christian McCaffrey because I worry about Cam Newton and his shoulder. So he had arthroscopic shoulder surgery in the offseason, which they are labeling as a cleanup. What's the latest that you have on Cam Newton? Is this something that can flare up? Is he going to be good to go by week one of the season? Is he good to go for a training camp? Is it similar to Andrew Luck? I just feel like there's a million questions when it comes to Cam Newton. Yeah, there's a lot going on here. Um, he's had two shoulder surgeries now in the last three years, which is incredibly concerning for a quarterback. Um, the first one was to repair his rotator cuff. This one sounds a little bit more minor, but because it's his second shoulder surgery, it is a huge concern. Um, they called it a cleanup procedure. I suspect it's a little bit more than just, you know, a very basic cleanup procedure. Um, they also made a comment that there wasn't as much cartilage damage as they thought there might be, which Sounds like a good thing, but it does indicate that there is some cartilage damage in his shoulder. Um, so I am a little concerned about him this season. He's been throwing. Um, he's expected to be a full participant at training camp, which is all good news. But I think this is one of those situations where he's going to start off the season pretty strong. Everyone's going to think he's back. He's good to go. He's got his strength and his accuracy back. But then at some point, he's going to take that one big hit or he's going to do that one little movement that aggravates his shoulder and we're going to be kind of back where we began once again. So I don't think he's someone you can trust throughout the season, but I do think um, he could start off the season well and have some good moments, just won't be consistent. And Greg, Cam Newton could be prone to some of those big hits because he likes to run the football. I was going to say. And that's where all of his value comes, really, is in his legs. That's a lot of the story, I think, of Cam Newton is down the stretch, second half of the year. He does tire out because he takes those big hits. He yeah. th- As he goes through the goal line, he gets pounded. Absolutely. Is why risk it when the quarterback position is so deep? You know, agreed. But I think the upside with Cam Newton is just so high. That's why you risk it because he does so much as a runner. As a runner, now if he doesn't run as much, what's his fantasy value look like? That's why I have question marks. That's fair. But if you don't want to go with Cam Newton, there's a couple of different directions you could go in, and that includes Carson Wentz, who missed the second half of last year with an injury after tearing his ACL the season before. I don't want to call Carson Wentz injury prone, and now that's two season-ending injuries in a row. The Eagles have moved on from Nick Foles. This is Carson Wentz's team. How concerned should we be long-term about Carson Wentz's health? So Wentz uh, was diagnosed with a stress fracture in his back. Um, a stress fracture is kind of a strange term to call an injury directly to the spine. This is more than likely to one of the little pieces that sticks off the spine. Um, Good news and bad news here. The good news is um, he should be fully recovered by the time the season starts. That fracture should be fully healed. But if we're accurate in saying that this really is a stress fracture, um, not directly to the spine, then there is a very high risk of re-injury. Again, kind of like Cam Newton, one big hit, and it could very quickly cause another fracture in his back to either the same location or a similar location. So um, when looking at his back easily being re-aggravated and then, you know, still his knee, he tore his ACL and his LCL in 2017. While he really should be pretty much fully recovered, um, his his knee is not going to be the same as it was pre-injury. So I do think um, we're showing that he's a high injury risk right now. He might get back into that elevated category by week one if he's looking pretty good through the preseason um, and he could be a full participant and his back isn't holding him back at all. But there's going to continue to be some concerns with Wentz um, now with with two body parts, his knee and his back going forward. And that sucks, Greg, because you know that I love Carson Wentz this year, but sounds 
a lot like Cam Newton, at least in terms of the risk. It's not similar injuries at all, and I'm not trying to compare those two, but in terms of the risk that comes with drafting Cam Newton, there's also a lot of risk that comes with drafting Carson Wentz. So that sucks because I think he's in a really good spot in terms of his offensive line and the weapons that he has on his team. Virginia, I want to ask you about Devonta Freeman. It feels like every year we're asking you about Devonta Freeman, and I have a feeling you're going to be pretty pessimistic on him uh, just because he's dealt with knee, foot, uh, groin, two concussions, three concussions, MCL, PCL sprains. I mean, I mean, you name it, it sounds like Devonta Freeman has had it. What's his diagnosis heading into the season? Yeah, so you kind of hit the nail on the head. He's dealt with a little bit of everything here. Um, there's no one specific injury we're currently worried about. Um, his groin after surgery last year should be fully healed. Um, his knee should be fully healed, but it's pretty tricky. Like there's clearly something going on in there. Um, his 2017 season ended with a pretty serious PCL and MCL sprain. And then he aggravated that injury in week one last year. And that was despite having the entire off season to strengthen his knee and recover. So um, I'd say his knee is probably the biggest concern going forward, not his groin. Um, but but the list goes on and on with him. And then on top of that, he has three concussions since I believe 2015, um, two in 2017. So that is incredibly concerning here. So he's a high injury risk. Um, you know, don't really have a great prediction on what's going to be injured, but more than likely at some point in the first half of the season, he's going to pick up some sort of an injury. All right, Virginia, we got two minutes. Are you around uh, to hang out with us for a little while after, after our break as well? Um, yep. Oh, cool. Appreciate that. Uh, one more question before the break. I'm just going to stick my quarterback story here. And there's one more quarterback on our list. It's Jimmy G. We just finished talking about him. Jimmy Garoppolo towards ACL. So did Tom Brady. He came back all right. Will Jimmy G be okay too? Yeah, I finally have some good news for you. Yeah! Uh, we're actually showing he should be good to go. Um, his was a clean ACL tear. Um, quarterbacks that have clean ACL tears tend to recover pretty well. Um, given the technology on ACL reconstructions now, he should be almost as good as new. Um, it's not exactly the same as you know pre-injury, but we think he's going to be good to go. Um, I think they'll kind of slowly test him out early at training camp because there's really no reason not to. Um, probably won't see him much, if at all, in the preseason, but I think he'll be good to go by week one. Um, may get off to a little bit of a slow start just as he gets comfortable getting back out there and taking hits and moving around, but I actually think we should see a pretty good season from him. Yeah, take that, you Jimmy Garoppolo naysayers. I hope Chris Venture, the closer downstairs, is listening because Jimmy GQ just got a good diagnosis. Let's go, Greg. How about that? Jimmy GQ should be ready to rock for this season. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We only have Virginia for a couple more minutes after the break. So we have a lot of players we want to get to. Speaking of ACLs, we're going to get to Darius Geis. We're going to get to Cooper Cup. We're going to get to Charrick McKinnon. we got a lot to talk about. A lot of ACLs. A lot of ACLs going on here. Make sure you take care of those knees, Greg. Please do. we have a couple more players to talk about with Virginia, and we'll go over some uh, second half of the season betting odds when it comes to baseball on the other side and wrap it up. Coming up next. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening.
back with you, Fantasy Best Friends Forever, the BFFs, the Action Hour here. Greg Sussman, Frank Stample, Virginia Zakis uh, here for another few minutes with us. Virginia, we'll try to make it as quick uh, as we possibly can. Uh, Darius Geis, let me get into it, was one of Frank's favorite targets last year until he got severely hurt and had a couple setbacks. And we think he's ready to go. What say you? Yeah, so everything about all the reports on him seemed just kind of a little iffy. Um, so he tore that ACL in the preseason last year, and then he had three surgeries to address an infection. Um, these post-operative infections damage the structural integrity of the knee. So even though he's coming along nicely, his knee really is not going to be the same. This is not a case like Jimmy Garoppolo where, you know, he's had surgery, clean tear, he should be good to go. Um, in this case, I'm very worried long-term about his knee, but also with, you know, the other muscles in his legs. Um, one report even made a comment about his quad, making sure he was ready to go. Um, so we need to be on the lookout for any sort of knee soreness, but also a quad or a hamstring strain. Um, those injuries are pretty common when players are coming back from an ACL tear, but especially somebody like Geis, who's had all of these issues and infections and has had a slow rehab. Um, so I, I think we'll see him at some point during training camp, but I would not be surprised if he is not ready to go week one. His knee isn't going to be the same, says Virginia. It kind of scares me away when it comes to Darius Geis and the fact that Washington has re-signed Adrian Peterson. Uh, you know, I'm sure that they want some insurance there. I think that Darius Geis is going to get off to a really slow start, Greg. I don't know that Washington's going to lean on him all that much early on. Maybe he's someone who takes off in the second half of the season, but I think it's going to be quite a slow start for Darius Geis. Virginia, I want to ask you about another ACL. Greg kind of previewed it before the break, and that is Todd Gurley's teammate. In Cooper Cup, what's the outlook for Cooper Cup heading into this season? As far as I've known, I haven't seen anything about infections or any other surgeries. I think it's just been a pretty much clean ACL tear for Cooper Cup. Yep, as far as we can tell, it's a clean tear. Um, The one thing working against him is that he hurt his knee later in the season. It was around week 10. So he's going to be a few months behind some of these other guys. Um, I do think he has a decent chance at being um, ready to play week one, but I doubt we see him in any preseason games. And if he is cleared ahead of week one, I would not be surprised if he, if he doesn't play much the first few weeks. Um, you know, it, it's just tough when you're coming back from an ACL injury that quickly. And he also did uh, hurt his MCL last year, a few weeks before he tore his ACL. So there is a chance that he's also dealing with some MCL damage that may have slowed his recovery along the way. But good news is he's actually already back in the elevated risk category. He's no longer high risk. Um, And I think he should end up with a pretty strong season. He just might get off to a slow start in the first month or so. So maybe take advantage, right? You could draft Cooper Cup or don't draft Cooper Cup. People draft them, slow start, you pounce. Yeah, a little buy low earlier on in the season. We know that it's a really good offense, one that might have to lean on the pass a little bit more if they don't want to run Gurley into the ground. Their offensive line isn't as good as it was in years past, so that might force them to throw a little bit. Plus, they have a target on their back. They just made it to the Super Bowl. So, yeah, all this adds up to uh, potentially more passing for the Los Angeles Rams. Might actually be a good thing for your boy Robert Woods, Greg. My man, Robert Woods. Bobby Woods. One more player I wanted to get to, Virginia, before we let you go. And that is Jarek McKinnon. We talked about the 49ers before, and we specifically asked you about Jimmy G. Well, we talked about Tevin Coleman. We talked about Matt Breida. So I guess maybe you can go to Matt Breida as well. But this running back situation with San Francisco is so, so tough to figure out. With Coleman being signed, McKinnon coming back, Breida always being hurt. How do you see this 49ers backfield shaking out? Yeah, I'm actually a little more concerned about Brita than I am McKinnon, surprisingly. Um, McKinnon, it sounds like his was a clean ACL tear. 
Um, it was in the preseason. So again, he's had a lot of time to recover. Um, players tend to do much better when they're out longer than, you know, nine to 11 months. Um, it really can make a big difference, especially in, even in just gaining confidence in the knee, but also strengthening the rest of the leg. So I think McKinnon should come back um, and should look pretty good early on. Um, Brita, on the other hand, um, he had all of those ankle issues last year, and he also suffered a slightly torn pectoral last month. Um, that shouldn't be an issue by the time the season starts because he didn't need surgery, but the, the ligaments in his ankle are clearly very weak. And I, I would be shocked if at some point he doesn't aggravate that and cause some sort of an ankle sprain this season. You know who is healthy, Greg? Tevin, Tevin Coleman. Coleman. Let's go. Absolutely. Only one you don't have to worry about. True. In terms of injuries. For now. For now. Virginia Zakis, Inside Injuries. We appreciate the extra time today and uh, have a great weekend. Thanks, guys. You too. Absolutely. Thank you. That's Virginia Zakis from Inside Injuries. Frankie, uh, let's... Move away from football now. I wanted to get into some baseball stuff. Yeah, let's do it. That's cool. So, baseball returns tonight, Grady. It does. We're going to make a pick on the game uh, coming up in oh, about 10 we? minutes from now. First I've heard about it. Oh, make a pick. <laughs> uh, so Thanks. Up in about 10 minutes from now, I have the updated World Series odds in front of me, Frank. Uh, who do you believe the favorites are to win the World Series? The Let's go with Los Angeles Dodgers. The Dodgers open at plus 800 on the year. They are now the favorites at plus 300. The favorites opening the season with the New York Yankees, they are plus 350. They are the second highest favorite. Followed by the Astros, who were third to start the or second, rather, to start the year. They are plus 400. Followed by the Bravos and the Twinkies. Didn't you like the Twinkies coming in this year? You love them, right? I love them. Did you bet them at 40 to 1? I didn't, but... And I'm mad at myself because when we did the over-unders and we were predicting like the, the division winners, I had the Twins, and you guys talked me out of it. And I changed it to the Indians. Well, that, Don't that, be a sheep, people. That matters a lot less than you just going to the sports book and just putting like 10 bucks on the, the Twins 40-1. to 1. Yeah. And no, that would have been a great bet, too. And I still think it's not a terrible bet at this point. Obviously, you don't get Plus nearly yeah. as much value. But I think pouncing on the Twins now, if you wanted to, Makes a lot of sense before they make trades, Greg, because I think that they will make trades. We've heard them link to Madison Bumgarner and Marcus Stroman. They could land. They could end up with one of those guys. They could end up with both of those guys. And if that's if that's the case, we know that their offense is really good. If they just could just get any semblance of a pitching staff here heading into the postseason, they could be a dangerous team, Greg. Other favorites include the Cubs, who are now plus 2,000. Phillies, plus 2,200. Rays are plus 2,200. They're at plus 6,600 uh, coming into the season. Uh, and then you have the Red Sox, who are now down to plus 2,500. Uh, let's... If you had to predict the World Series right now, Greg, what are you, what are you leaning with? Um, Take value at, out of it. Just whoever you think is going to be there. I'm looking at a rematch, man. Two years ago. Astros and Dodgers. I agree with you. I just think they're the two strongest teams. I really do. Yeah, and I know that the Yankees are have better record. They are they are the uh, higher favorite, favorite yeah. second highest favorite. They are ahead of the Astros right now. Uh, they haven't traded for any pitching yet, but I don't know that there's a pitcher out there on the market that's going to put them over the top against the Houston Astros. We are Yankee fans, but we, you also don't want to bet with your heart. I think when it comes to the Houston Astros, just their pitching staff, it just gives them the edge in terms of Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander. So I say you look at some of the odds to win your division. And I'm, I was looking at the NL East. I think it's really interesting. So the NL East, the favorite right now are the Braves. They're in first place. They're plus 300 coming into the year. They're minus 670 now. Pretty strong favorites. They have uh, a six-game lead. They have a six-game lead. Phillies and Nats are both at plus 850. Any love there? 
I, I really like the Nationals. I was, we're back! I, I never left! My prediction before the season was the Nationals and the Astros in the World Series. I think you might have had something similar. I think I, went with, had Car- the, I think I went with the Cards Astros. The Cardinals Astros. I like the Nationals winning the division. Yes, so did I. Uh, and you know what? I was looking at this when they were like 12 games out. And you were getting them at, I think it was plus 1,400 to win a division. And I, I should have pounced you, you on you it. I was, doing about it. I was talking about it downstairs. Yeah. I said, dude, the Nationals are plus 1,400 right now. We're a nice little winning streak here. I mean, they've, they've cut it in more than half already, Greg. And that was in a month span. They still have two and a half more months here to make up six games. I might be, I, I don't think I'm off base here, but didn't the Mets blow a six-game lead heading into September one year? Always got to bring it back to the Mets. But it, it's, it's happened. Of course it has. It's happened in baseball. It's happened in a month. You're telling me the Nationals can't make up six games in two and a half months, Greg? Well, you say there's a better chance of just Nats sneaking in on the wild card and then... Sure, but I mean, in terms of the betting value right now, you're getting the Nationals at plus 850 to win the division. That's awesome. Uh, very much so. They still have Scherzer. They still have Strasburg. They have Corbin. Their offense is really good. I, I, I love it. I, I loved it a month ago when they were plus 1,400 and they were 12 games out. I... Obviously loved it more then because of the value we're getting, but at plus eight fifty, I I would throw a few down on it. Trying to find another one that's worth talking about in like the division odds here. Well, why not the Cardinals at plus four twenty five? You just brought them up. Well, that's why I like winning the World Series. I think they suck. I think they suck. (laughs) There's no turning it around for the Cardinals. They've been linked to trading for pitching as well. They have. They. I mean, they need pitching. They need. They're two games out, and you're getting them at plus four fifty. Yeah, it feels like they suck though. But look at this division. Nobody's technically out of it. What are the Reds? Reds are plus 1,000. Give me the Reds, baby! I'd rather have the Pirates at plus 14. They're four and a half games out. The Reds are only four and a half games out, Greg. What are the Pirates? Two and a half. This division has the most parity of any division in baseball right now. Yep. I mean, the last place team is only four and a half games out. Would you like to know how many games out the, uh, the Baltimore Orioles are? That would be 30 and a half. The last place team is still alive in the NL Central. Every team is alive, so... I think, I mean, what makes the most sense to me is, look, we like the Cardinals a lot coming into the year. I'm with you. I lean with the Cardinals. I think you, you get some pretty good value right now. They're only two games out. And if they trade for some pitching, they were linked to Bumgarner at some point. If they trade for a Bumgarner, a Bauer, someone like that, a Stroman, that helps. I mean, they need pitching. That's what it comes down to. Jack Flaherty hasn't lived up to expectations. Miles Mikolas has not lived up to expectations. In fact, Greg... Yes, I am still writing uh, baseball content on my Patreon. Ding. I did a MVP, most valuable players, and least valuable players uh-huh. at the half. Both Miles Mikolas and Jack Flaherty landed on the LVP squad. Yeah, I had a feeling you said that. Rightfully so. Looking at some MVP odds right now. The five, I guess, betting favorites. Mike Trout. That's not a surprise. He was the favorite coming into the year. Uh, DJ LeMahieu was not even on the board to start the year. He's the He's second favorite now. on the board. Alex Bregman was plus 1,000. He's now at plus 1,300. That makes sense. Joey Gallo, you can get him at 66 to 1 to start the year. Um, he is now at plus 1,500. He's not winning the MVP. Don't worry about it. And Georgie Polanco is off the board. Uh, he's now plus 1,500. Mike Trout's going to be your MVP in the AL. The NL is really exciting. Wow, way to just gloss over the Yankee, Greg. What kind of fan are you? What? You're glossing over DJ LeMay. Like, he doesn't even have a shot. He's not. doesn't have a shot. He leads the American League in hitting. Mike Trout will be the MVP. They said something really interesting during the All-Star game the other day. D.J. LeMahieu, if the season ended today, would be the first player in baseball history to lead both the NL and AL in batting average. Really? Yeah. 
I, that's that's actually very surprising. It is surprising. All right, the NL MVP. That, I hope I got that right. That race is super exciting <laughs> because did I pick, did I pick Bellinger to win the MVP this year? I might have. No, Greg. We both chose Anthony Rendon. Damn. <laughs> well, we still get Rendon. I mean, he's he's improved his odds. He's in there. So we're not really that far off. It's a two-person race. Bellinger plus 2,800. Christian Yelich at plus 1,000. These two guys are such heavy favorites. Plus 100 for Cody Bellinger. Plus 165 now for Christian Yelich. Look, a lot can happen in a half. I mean, ask Jesus Aguilar about that last year and, and of course, this year, this first half that he put together. But a lot can change in a half. So, uh, look, if you really like Freddie Freeman, if you like Anthony Rendon, there still is a chance. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but there's a chance that both Christian Yelich and Cody Bellinger could regress a little bit. And, you know, if the Nationals go on some crazy run and they win the National League East and it's all in the back of Anthony Rendon, I'm just saying at plus 1,500, I wouldn't put a lot on it, but crazier things have happened in a half of baseball. If I had to choose, I think Bellinger probably wins it. I think it's a two-person race, but crazier things have happened, Greg. I agree. Bellinger probably the favorite for me. A.L. Cy Young. Uh, Verlander versus Cole. Verlander is the favorite here, followed by Luke Giolito, Chuck Morton, and Chris Sale. If, yeah. the, if the Rays were better, man, Charlie Morton yeah. would not be Blake's a bad Blake Snell won it last year. Yeah. Uh, NL Cy Young, Scherzer, Ryu, Bueller, Luis Castillo, Jacob deGrom. Interesting that Scherzer's still the favorite. Ryu off the board to start the season. Jacob deGrom dropping from plus 350 to plus 1700 is just crazy. Let's go, Mets. One game tonight, Frank. Who you got? I'm going to go with Lance Lynn and the Rangers. Give me the dog. Give the dog. I'll go with the dog, too. Why not? At the windows next with Frank Stample. I'm Greg Sussman. Thanks so much for watching. One more day to go. We'll see you all again tomorrow. We hope. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Here's what you missed on the BFFs. So let me start uh, with Arizona and with Kyler Murray in general. Kyler Murray, first overall pick, second year in a row the Arizona Cardinals take a quarterback in the first round. And I've heard a lot about Cliff Kingsbury and what he's going to do to the offense. But let me start with Kyler Murray. He just went, I think, my Scott's fishbowl, and it was a little bit different, super flex kind of league. But how early are you comfortable taking Kyler Murray, Frank? In terms of relative to other quarterbacks or just in terms of ADP? What are you thinking here? I guess in terms of ADP. Right now, he's going at pick 103. Which is what? As the 12th quarterback off the board. Okay, so he's being drafted as a QB1. And as I said yesterday. Sandwiched between Goff and Cam Newton. As I said yesterday, that is ahead of Cam Newton. I could never take Kyler Murray ahead of Cam Newton. That's crazy. People are getting excited. People are getting excited about Kyler Murray. I mean, that ability to rush that we saw in college, people are excited about that. I mean, what we saw from Lamar Jackson last year, that rushing floor that he provides, I mean, that's just huge for fantasy football purposes. And Kyler Murray really is... I'm not going to go as far as and say 10 times the passer Lamar Jackson is, but he is a much more polished passer than Lamar Jackson. But I think it's really interesting that you bring up Lamar Lamar Jackson, who's the 19th quarterback off the board. Who I like as well. 
But, but in the NFFC, it's six point per passing touchdown. So it's worth noting that. That is very worth it. Lamar Jackson is much more valuable in four point per passing touchdown leagues. Good and so is Kyler Murray, All right. for that matter. In a four point passing touchdown league, who would you take first, Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray? Kyler Murray. Mm. Because I think that, look, he doesn't have the same rushing upside as Lamar Jackson. Not even close. But his passing upside is much higher than sure, Lamar Jackson. Sure, but like, why can't Lamar Jackson get better in year two? You know? He should. And I think a lot of people expect him to do that. Like, but Kyler Murray's already there in terms of being a passer. Me, I, I guess. Yes, he is. We hope. Theoretically, yes. But he is a more he's a much more polished, polished passer. passer. Absolutely. Especially inside the pocket, making plays out of the pocket. But he's not, a, he's not Lamar nearly Jackson. as good with his legs as Lamar Jackson is. He's not. Not nearly? Is that true? Yes. I mean Kyler Murray just ran for a thousand yards in college. Lamar Jackson did the same thing. Yeah. Kyler Murray makes plays with his legs, Greg. Okay. Like, I don't know that he's going to rely on it as much as Lamar Jackson because he doesn't need to. He can make more throws at the NFL level, or at least that's what I expect in year one. But I, I think that he can make a lot of similar plays. He's not going to run as much as Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson had games where he ran 20-plus times last year. Correct. And I wouldn't expect that type of volume from Lamar Jackson either this season. I mean, he'll probably get anywhere from, I mean, a, a realistic projection is like 10 to 12 carries a game for Lamar Jackson. But Kyler Murray, he's going to run, Greg. He's going to run. I, I'm confident in that. So are you confident to take him as your QB1? He's going 12 right now. So I feel a lot... The, the same way I feel about Kyler Murray is very similar to how I feel about Cam Newton. Obviously for different reasons, but there's a lot of risk involved with both right now. Couldn't catch the live show? Yes. Make sure to download our podcast at the FNTSY Sports Network Audio Boom channel. Oh, super. So 